Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at marriage, and we began by looking at those schemes of the enemy as he would try to create um, isolation where God desires oneness and to take that isolation and lead it to a place where the marriage might be destroyed. Uh, we looked at things like good communication as we tried to encourage husbands and wives in the midst of the hardships and the difficulties and the challenges that can come with marriage to make sure that they're talking and communicating well with each other. Uh, we looked at fighting clean, the idea that we all fight too, that conflict in marriage was essentially promised from the very earliest pages of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3, that the wife's desire would be for her husband. And in that context, it's kind of a negative word, a desire to manipulate him and to control him, but he will rule over you. And in that context, a bit of a negative sense to that rule. He would seek to manipulate and to dominate his wife. And so for the history of mankind, conflict because of sin in marriage, we all fight too, and so we looked at how to navigate that as best that we can. We looked last week at marital intimacy, the idea of romance, that sex is not a gross thing, it's not a God, but it's a good gift from a wonderful heavenly father that he gives to husbands and wives to a man and a woman who have looked each other in the eye and said, you're mine until death. And God says to them, here is an incredible, powerful, joyful gift called sexual intimacy. And this morning, we want to look at the covenant of marriage and just encourage us all, husbands and wives, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health, to love, honor, and cherish, forsaking all others, to keep your spouse only to yourself so long as you both shall live. If you have a Bible or a phone or some sort of gadget, turn with me to the Song of Solomon, chapter 8. Song of Solomon, chapter 8. Song of Solomon is a book in the Old Testament, eight chapters long, that seemingly celebrates marital love and intimacy between a man and a wife. If you've never read the Song of Solomon, it's better than any NFL game this afternoon. You ought to grab a cup of coffee, turn off the TV, and just sit down and read. Incredible stuff. You'll, you'll, you'll do this as you read it. You'll be reading and you'll go, yep, that's in the Bible. And you'll get to the next, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, oh yeah, yep, I'm reading the Bible. It's an amazing book. It's an amazing book. Throughout, they have expressed their appreciation for one another, their desire for one another. If you glance back in chapter 7, you see him praising her beauty. How beautiful are your feet and sandals. The curves of your hips are like jewels, the work of the hands of an artist. Your navel is like a round goblet which never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is like a heap fenced about with willies, uh, lilies. 
<laughs> oh, gracious. Oh, man. Can we edit that one out of the video? Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Again, you're like, wait a minute, is this the Bible? Yep, ask the Bible. Verse 6, how beautiful and how delightful you are, my love, with all your charms. She says in verse 10, I am my beloved's, his desire is for me. Verse 11, she says, hey, let's go have a date together. Let's get together, spend some time together. Down in verse, chapter 8, verse 6 is what I want to look at. This is the woman speaking. Put me like a seal on your heart, like a seal on your arm. A seal was something that you, in those days, you would mark ownership. A man would wear it around his neck. And, and you would take it and you would stamp something with a seal to mark it as yours. And generally it was something very valuable and so you would want to mark it as yours. And therefore, because of its value, you would seek to protect it. And she is inviting him to take her and put her as a seal on his arm, as a seal on his heart to say, babe, you're mine. You belong to me. She has expressed this throughout this book. I am my beloved's and he is mine. My beloved is mine and his desire is for me. And she's saying, put me like a seal on you. Say that I'm yours forever. For love is as strong as death. Now, putting aside a, a biblical theology of death and resurrection, this is a poetic device. How strong is death? Strong. When you die, you die. And for how long? Forever. Love is that way, it's strong. And jealousy is as severe as Sheol or the grave. Maybe a better translation is not jealousy, but zeal or passion. Her love for him is as strong as death. Her passion for him as severe as Sheol. The implication seems to be that she is going to protect this relationship as 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 much as she can. She's going to seek for its survival. She's going to fight all that tries to threaten it. And of course, the flip of this applies for any man in his marriage. Our love for our spouse, our commitment to our spouse is to be as strong as death. And our passion for that relationship to be as severe as the grave. We will fight for its survival. We will fight off all that might threaten it. Its flashes are flashes of fire. Probably the it there is the love. Its flashes are flashes of fire. The very, the New American Standard reads, the very flame of the Lord 
if that's the right translation, it's the only time that the Lord is maybe mentioned in the book, is mentioned in the book. Most Hebrew scholars think it's this. It's flashes or flashes of fire, a vehement flame, a strong flame. So probably not to be translated the very flame of the Lord, which that's okay. Fire, something that is strong and something that is passionate and this love that one is to have for the other is to be a strong love, a strong passion. She says, many waters cannot quench love, nor will rivers overflow it. Many waters, and there are many, are there not difficulties and challenges that come to your marriage and to mine? Waters that want to take this fire, this flame, and put it out. That want to take the oneness that God so desires for husband and wife, create isolation ultimately to where it's done. But she is saying many waters can't quench this love, nor will rivers overflow it. We will endure. We will endure. If a man were to give all the riches of his house for love, it would be utterly despised. think what this means is she is saying if another man comes along seeking to woo me away from my spouse the one that I love and the one I'm so passionate about not a chance if a man were to give all the riches of his house to try to win my love away from my spouse that would be utterly despised. One commentator said that the lady would turn her heels and walk away. It's two little verses here, a pledge of fidelity, a pledge of faithfulness, a pledge of a love and a passion for a spouse a commitment to a spouse that will not be broken apart by anything. The Bible in Malachi chapter 2 calls marriage a covenant. A covenant. And what a biblical covenant was, was a strong oath. A weighty obligation. And the picture in the Bible is that you would cut a covenant. You would take a, an animal or multiple animals and you would cut them in two. And you would place one half of the carcass here, the other half of the carcass here. And the two people that were cutting the covenant would walk between the carcass pieces Picture is worth a thousand words, right? What they were saying was, may God do so to me 
if I break the covenant that you and I are making today. May God take me and cut me in two and spill my guts all over the ground if I break the covenant that I'm making with you today. When you and I stood before God and others and took each other's hands and looked each other in the eye and made those vows, it was a covenant. A solemn oath, a weighty promise. For better, for worse, for richer, for poor, sickness and in health, to love, honor, cherish, forsaking all others, to keep you only to myself so long as we both shall live. Jesus reinforced that idea of a marriage covenant when he said, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Sadly, in our culture, we've turned that covenant, that weighty obligation, into convenience. Over and over and over and over again, throughout our culture, this covenant of marriage has turned into, I'll love you and stay committed to you as long as it's convenient for me. And when it's no longer convenient, I'm out. We could have another sermon for another day on biblical grounds for divorce. I think there are some. But the picture of marriage is meant to be that of commitment and faithfulness until the very end, despite whether or not it gets inconvenient at times. And so, we hear reasons of divorce, poor communication. We're just not compatible anymore. We went through some financial problems and it just got too much for us. We've, over the years, our priorities have changed and we're just not on the same page like we used to be. An old prophet Dallas Seminary would say that marriages today are unraveling like a cheap sweater. It's been several months ago now, but I was invited that if I, if I needed to be, um, well, to support a brother as he was going in, into court. And it was um, some divorce court type of stuff. And I sat, I sat back there in the courtroom. And in this particular courtroom, that's all they dealt with all day long. All day long. I think I sat there for an hour and a half, and it had to be 10 or 12. Divorce granted. They're out the door. Next. Divorce granted. Over and over and over and over again, and I thought, does this happen every day in this courtroom? 
And does this happen every day at divorce courtrooms all over the country? Oh. You don't need me to tell you that when we take this covenant of marriage and turn it into convenience that leads to the breakdown of so many marriages, it leads to catastrophe. Catastrophe for the kiddos that are involved. Listen, you can tell me all you want that kids are resilient. I married one who saw this happen as a two-year-old little girl and then unfortunately saw it happen again. And the idea that eh, kids are resilient and they'll get over it, I don't buy it. My wife is wonderful, and our marriage is awesome. But I've seen, and both of us have experienced, the pain that has come of that. It's not only hard on the children, it's hard on the individuals. Some of you have been there, you've done that. I've got a buddy that I played football with just a few years ago. He went through a divorce. He sat with me at a restaurant in Dallas, and he looked at me, and he said, Mitch, if ever you need me to come speak to your men and tell them not to do this, just call me. It's not so good for our society as well as we stack up more and more and more of these. But just like last week, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. When we take the covenant and don't go to convenience, but to commitment. Oh, man. That leads not to catastrophe, but to commendation. Again, that's what you and I entered into was a covenant. And what it takes from us, maybe in a word, is commitment. Because it will get hard. There will be difficulties. There will be challenges. The enemy is for real. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And he has many a scheme to try to break my marriage and your marriage apart. And all of us are sinners. We walk into the marriage, sinner one and sinner two. And the world in which we live does not champion marriage. It just doesn't cheer it on. And so it will be hard, and there will be challenges. But the word for us is commitment. By the grace of God, we persevere through the hardships and challenges that come our way. I just love this quote from Dobson. I use it every time, but I love it. James Dobson, I'll conclude with the ultimate secret of lifelong love. Simply put, the stability of marriage is a byproduct of an iron-willed determination to make it work. 
If you choose to marry, enter into that covenant with the resolve to remain committed to each other for life. Never threaten to leave your spouse during angry moments. Don't allow yourself to consider even the possibility of divorce. Calling it quits must not be an option for those who want to go the distance. You want to go the distance? Boy, I know I do. I want to go the distance. And calling it quits is not an option. Oh, God help me. God help us all. Covenant to commitment to commendation. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Love listening to Ward Trulock talk about his commitment to Berta. And when he talks to us younger men, this might be priority message number one from Ward Trulock. You tell your wife you're never going to leave her. And don't ever leave her. And then he'll say, I can't tell you how many times the kiddos and grandkiddos gathered around us and kids, our kids saying to us, what stability that gave to us as a family. Thank you, Dad and Mom. So, friends, let's keep our covenant until the very end. Let's keep our covenant. If you're not married yet, God may have that for you in the future. Enter into it that this is for life. This is not something just to try out for a bit, and if it doesn't work out, we can get out. No. For life. And those of us who are married, don't be afraid to get help for your struggling marriage. Don't be afraid to get help for your struggling marriage. Nobody, nobody, zero people, not a, including me, will be surprised if you said, hey, our marriage is not going very well. Nobody will be surprised by that. Nobody will be taken aback by that. We all know it's hard. We all know it's difficult. We all know their challenges. And so if yours is struggling, please don't be afraid to get help. Please don't be afraid to start with me, to come and visit with me. And I'll try to help you as best that I can. And if it's beyond me, I can hook you up with some wonderful people in this church family who can help you. We want to help you. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Like on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 meaning, oh, no, we're, no problems. 10 meaning it, it's done. Please try to come 
to me or to another friend when it's in the one to five stage, right? The worst is when they come and it's a nine already. It's a nine. It's like holding on by thread. And you just long to say, please, oh, why didn't you come earlier? So don't be afraid. Number two, keep growing in your marriage. Even if your marriage is great, keep growing in your marriage. Men, when's the last time you read a good book on being a great husband? Ladies, when's the last time you read a good book on being a wonderful wife? When's the last time y'all went to a conference together or a weekend getaway just to help you grow together as a couple? Do that kind of thing. Strong as your marriage may be, it can always get stronger. As strong as your marriage may be, it could help equip you to minister to other younger couples in a more profound way. And then number three, oh, by the grace of God, don't quit. Don't quit. Let's go all the way to the end. Now, if you were here last week, if you read my email, you know what's coming. If you're new today, this one might take you by surprise. Just hang with us. Today we're going to do I Still Do, an I Still Do ceremony. And I'm going to ask the married couples in the room, whoever would like, to stand with me, to take your spouse by the hands, to look your spouse in the eye, and to say, essentially, I still do. I did 20 years ago, 30 years ago, six years ago. And today, I still do. To reaffirm your commitment to your spouse. Listen, if, if your marriage is in such a place where, boy, just that... that and if you don't stand to do this with us, I promise you, nobody is going to shame that. If anybody shames another couple who doesn't stand to do this, shame on you. All right? If your marriage is just, it's just in a spot where, and you don't want to do it, that's okay. Having said that, can I say to you, those of you whose, whose marriage may be on the rocks today and you're not really sure about this, might I still encourage you to do it? Maybe it will be the thing that God uses to stand again, eyeball to eyeball, in front of God and all of these witnesses, again to say, I do. I'm committed to you until death do us part. So here's how we're going to do it. We've got these marriage covenants. There's some English ones back there and some Spanish ones back there. In just a moment, I'm going to have the English couples stand and, and lead us through this and would invite our Spanish congregation to afterwards cheer us on. Yay! Way to go. And then Antonio's going to come up 
And he's going to do the same with the Spanish congregation. And we will, yay, way to go. And after that, we're going to sing together again. And then we'll be dismissed to go enjoy some wonderful food. So I'm going to invite my wife, Tara, to come on up. She and I celebrate 19 years of marriage tomorrow. So we're thrilled about that. Any of you in our English congregation or if you would like to stand and participate, please do so right now. Let you stand. And uh, baby, I might have to take just one of your hands okay. if that's all right. <laughs> Here's what this covenant says. It says this, believing that God in his wisdom and providence has established marriage as a covenant relationship, a sacred and lifelong promise, reflecting our unconditional love for one another and believing that God intends for the marriage covenant to reflect his promise to never leave us nor forsake us, we, the undersigned, do hereby reaffirm our solemn pledge to fulfill our marriage vows. Furthermore, we pledge to exalt the sacred nature and permanence of the marriage covenant by calling others to honor and fulfill their marriage vows. And so, man, I'm going to read a paragraph for us. And afterwards, I'm going to ask you to look your wife in the eyes and affirm I still do, and then we'll do the same for you wives. So, fellas, here we go. In the presence of God and these witnesses... And by a holy covenant, I joyfully receive you as God's perfect gift for me to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love you, to honor you, to cherish you, to protect and romance you, forsaking all others as long as we both shall live. Men, if that affirms what you want to say to your spouse, say to her, I still do. I still do. <laughs> Ladies, in the presence of God and these witnesses and by a holy covenant, I joyfully receive you as God's perfect gift for me to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness, and in health, to love you, to honor you, to respect you, to submit to you and romance you, forsaking all others as long as we both shall live. Ladies, if you would like to affirm that to your husbands, I still do. Hey, you may kiss your spouse, all right? <laughs> love you. I love you. Antonio, are you ready? And Becky, come on out here.
juntos y depositar su sal en las manos del Señor al otro. Y es el Señor que abre la venda cuando se vuelve difícil pelear. A veces muchas peleas, a veces varias peleas, pero para un mismo propósito. Eh, vale la pena para honrar al Señor en todo lo que hacemos. No hay pacto más hermoso que podamos celebrar y renovar que este. Nuestro pacto matrimonial. Ahora todos los, por favor, si pueden ponerse de pie las parejas hispanas, tomarse de la mano, verse frente a frente. Este es un pacto matrimonial. Creyendo que Dios en su sabiduría y su providencia ha establecido el matrimonio como un compromiso, una promesa sagrada y para toda la vida reflejando nuestro amor incondicional de uno para el otro y creyendo que la intención de Dios para el pacto del matrimonio es reflejar su promesa de nunca dejarnos y olvidarnos. Nosotros firmemente reafirmamos nuestra promesa de guardar nuestros votos solemnes matrimoniales. Además, prometemos exaltar la naturaleza sagrada y permanente del pacto del matrimonio animando a otros a honrar y cumplir sus votos matrimoniales. El varón, primeramente, en presencia de Dios y de estos testigos y por su santo pacto, yo, Antonio Muñoz, con gozo te recibo como un regalo perfecto de Dios para mí, para tenerte y sostenerte de aquí en adelante, para bien o para mal, en la riqueza y en la pobreza, en la salud y en la enfermedad, para amarte, para honrarte, para apreciarte, protegerte y atesorarte hasta que la muerte nos separe. Y si esa fue tu promesa, entonces dile, todavía acepto. En la presencia de Dios y de estos testigos y por su santo pacto, yo, Becky Barón de Muñoz, con gozo te recibo como un regalo perfecto de Dios para mí, para tenerte y sostenerte de aquí en adelante, para bien o para mal, en la riqueza o en la pobreza, en la salud y en la enfermedad, para amarte, honrarte, apreciarte, protegerte y atesorarte hasta que la muerte nos separe. Y si esa fuiste tú, entonces dile a tu esposo, todavía te acepto. You may kiss your bride. Puedes besar a tu esposa. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your um, great commitment to us, your people. Have you not said, 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. Thank you for such love, such passion on your part to keep us your bride forevermore. And oh God, would you help us husbands and wives here who reaffirmed today that I take you until death. Would you so empower us by the Holy Spirit for days and weeks and months and years to come to keep this covenant, to love and to honor, to cherish, to provide, to protect, to romance. Would you help us to keep it? And oh God, might the legacy of our marriages be a light to our children. Just so life-giving to them, the stability, the joy, the love that mom and dad have for one another, that it would strengthen them in the innermost beings of their soul and give them great, great hope. And God, might our marriages as well be a light in our city as those that we live around and those that we work around. They would see in us a man who loves his wife as Christ does the church. A wife who respects and follows the leadership of her husband as the church is to toward Christ. Oh, God help us. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.